Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dairy Gold Agribusiness. For quality feed, expert service, and support you can trust. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, ICMSA President Pat McCormack on Mercouser Vigilance. ICSA hold beef fund information meeting. Chair of the IFA Farm Family Committee, Ms Caroline Farrell, reviews fair deal scheme progress to date. Tommy Heffernan, Irish Farmers Journal vet, reviews the major health supplement with the journal this week. But our top story, Doreen Corridon, veterinary surgeon with Munster Bovine, formerly Munster AI, on stock bulls six weeks into the breeding season. Um, yes, John, uh, we're six weeks into the breeding season now and uh, her donors are considering when would I actually release the actual stock bull. And the big important things to uh, think about before actually releasing the bull is what is the herd size and how many cows have I actually in calf? Because um, every three weeks you do AI, you reduce the number of cows by half that are actually uh, empty. So if I have 120 cow herd, after the first three weeks, I mean, I should have 16 calf. After the second three weeks, I should have 19 calf. So in 120 cow herd, after six weeks breeding, I should have 30 empty. So her donor then, he says, OK, I've 30 empty cows. I've one mature bull. They should cover it. Uh, equally then, if he's only young sires or a sire in his first season that was running with the um, maiden heifers, you would really need two young bulls to cover the 30. So the first uh, thing to take into account, John, is um, the herd size. The second thing to take into account is the number of weeks AI. And both of those then will allow you to calculate how many empty cows. And then you look at what stock bulls have you. Are they mature bulls or are they young bulls? And there is an awful difference between um, the amount of work that a mature bull will get through versus what a young bull will get through. Let note a young bull uh, instead of a mature bull is like sending out a minor into senior championship. Let's put very, very clearly. Doreen, continuing our look at stock bulls and how to manage stock bulls at this point, is there a difference between stock bulls running with, we'll say, A, dairy cows, and B, suckler cows? Is there a difference there? 
Oh, there is a huge uh, difference between the dairy herd and the suckler herd uh, in relation to stock bull and stock bull management. It's nearly as different as Gaelic football is to hurling, you know, because uh, with the dairy herd, uh, what has to happen is a bull has to walk in with the cows twice a day. Um, secondly, herd size is larger. Uh, so a bull will have to examine 100 cows each day to pick up the one or two that's in heat, which is quite a lot of workload. The second thing is bulls are going to be mounting and trying to serve cows in roadways. So when they're serving, all their weight is on the two hind legs. And um, so they're much more prone to stone bruises. And then when they dismount, they can often dismount awkwardly in roadways. So I mean, they're in danger of I mean, hurting a shoulder. So we end up with quite a few stone bruises and quite a few shoulder injuries. Also then in the actual dairy herd, as opposed to the suckler, the bull, I mean, he's with the cows all day long. Herd size is smaller. He's inside in the paddock. He's all day long to check them. And he's not interrupted by two milkings and two long walks, do I mean, from doing his work. Then, of course, the other thing, none of these bulls receive any pre-season training. None of them have the old league to warm themselves up before the championship. They're thrown in at the deep end. They're played every day. So, I mean, uh, there's no rest and absolutely no recovery time. Only the same again tomorrow. Um, so, so, I mean, what, so what herd owners consider is herd size. How many weeks they've been doing AI? Every three weeks reduces uh, the amount of uh, empty cows by half. How many empty cows they have, whether they have a mature bull or whether they have um, a young bull. Now, staying with stock bulls, bearing in mind everything you've said there about the difference between dairy cows and suckler cow herds in general, the difference in numbers, etc., animals to be served, what can herd owners do at the moment to manage their stock bulls, some steps they should be taking? Okay, the first thing I'd highly recommend uh, to get your stock bull fertility tested by your vet because that will uh, reassure you that the bull has good quality semen. Now, the second thing then, and it's up to you, you need to make sure that the bull can actually mate correctly and that he actually wants to mate. Um, this can be an issue in old bulls that have gone quite atritic, but it's a huge issue in very young bulls that haven't mated before. So it's very important with a young bull first season, before he's left off with females, that we can actually be confident he can mate correctly. So put him into a small paddock or a small well-bedded pen and introduce a similar size or smaller female, fully on heat, watch him serving and make sure he can serve before he's actually released. Second thing then, when we release the bull, continue eyeing for the next 10 to 14 days. What that does, it allows the bull time to settle down. It allows the bull time to get into his routine of checking the cows for heat, allow him to get into routine of walking in out morning and evening. And you're also benefiting from AI from the short gestation sires. Third thing I would do is when I have more than two cows or more in heat a day, I would actually inseminate as well as the bull running with them, as that's guaranteeing that the cow will actually get bred with high quality semen. Because it's okay to say a bull can serve more than two a day. Of course he can. But if he two yesterday, two today, two tomorrow, over a three-week period, he'll have 40. Do you know what I mean? And very few bulls, regardless how mature they have, can actually handle 40 cows and get them in calf. It's also very useful to fit the bull with a chin ball. As we know, his work rate. Keep it topped up and we know how much he's worked. Then... If you have a large herd and you have multiple stock bulls, with the multiple stock bulls, the key is 24 hours on, 24 hours off. So if you have two bulls, one 24 hours on, 24 hours off. If you have four bulls, two on, two off. 
And the big advantage of that 24 hours off, it's given rest to the actual bull, right? By giving him rest, uh, we'll also uh, reduce in the actual risk of injury. Also then, if the, oh, in, in all uh, situations, you have dominant bulls and subordinate bulls. And uh, with the dominant bull, he may actually prevent the subordinate bull who may be more fertile from actually mating. So by the 24 hours on to 24 hours off, what we're allowing is the subordinate bull to get in, I mean, more matings. And the other thing then is we're reducing the amount of wasted matings. Because when you have two bulls there, both of them are competing for the one female, you have a lot of wasted matings, and you also have increased risk of injury with actually bulls fighting. So 24 hours on, 24 hours off, so that means absolutely crucial, right? And the other thing then is that with young bulls, they haven't established a hierarchy yet within the herd, so that means so they can actually get bullied even by cows, let alone by other bulls. And finally, uh, if a bull gets lame or get injured, remove him from the herd and give him rest until he's uh, back on again. Also, from the point of view, if a bull runs a high temperature and you know he's running a high temperature, um, by all means, treat him, but I would get him fertility tested before I'd release him back to the herd because it's high temperature, do you know what I mean? For a period of time, they can reduce bulls in fertile for anything from six weeks up to two months. So very important there in terms of managing your stock bulls to be aware of animal behaviour patterns and understand where the bulls are, the respective bulls are in the hierarchy and to be aware whether or not the hierarchy has been established as yet and to make sure the subordinate bulls, which might be far more fertile, get an opportunity to mate. Tis, and I think the important points to recap is what's the herd size? How many MT cows are currently in the herd? Is it mature bulls we have or is it young bulls we have? And every three weeks AI reduces the work rate of the stock bull by half. Then make sure your bull is fertility tested. AI for 10 to 14 days after releasing the bull. Any day you have two or more on in heat, inseminate, fit your bull with a chin ball, 24 hours on, 24 hours off, and any lame and injured bull on the bench rested. Do you want to give any phone number or phone contact or website for Monster Bovine? Doreen, we've referred to the fact there that Munster Bovine is the new rebranded name for the former Munster AI. You might just say a word or two about Munster Bovine and if you have a phone number or a website contact for people who might like to discuss further any aspect of what we've been talking about. Absolutely sure, John. Uh, Munster Bovine is based in Bellevue-Rasheen, Mallow. Uh, you, we can be contacted by... Um, Phone number 0224322828. Equally, you can get on our website or send us a message or contact one of our technicians that's on the road and we're willing to help at any time uh, with anything her donors need in relation to fertility and breeding. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Doreen Corridon, veterinary surgeon with Munster Bovine, formerly Munster AI, recently rebranded to Munster Bovine. Thank you, Doreen, very much indeed. We are joined on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme by Mr Pat McCormack, National President of ICMSA, the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association. Pat, um, warning signs about uh, Mercosur. It's been in the background for 20 years. It's always kind of there lurking. But Minister Creed said he can detect some worrying signals. What's your response to this latest uh, warning on Brexit, uh, Mercosur particularly? It has to be a huge issue. You mentioned the word Brexit. Brexit is very much interlinked with the Mercosur, any Mercosur deal because obviously there's huge risk out there 
for, for the deal if it was to take place with significant tens of thousands of tons of beef possibly coming into Europe at the start of the marketplace. Uh, certainly, I think, you know, Minister Creed mentioned it there in recent times and can see the significance of it. But, you know, I think there's a huge challenge out there for our government. They have an opportunity to beat all this if necessary because, you know, it's hypocritical to be talking about climate change uh, in Ireland at the same time as we're talking about a Marxist deal. Uh, the reality of it is our Irish beef and dairy is produced far more environmentally friendly than anything that can come uh, our way through a Mercosur deal. And, you know, there's huge uncertainty out there at this point in time or what, the middle of June, and, uh, you know, hoping that there's going to be some resolution to Brexit within the next four four or five months, uh, but, you know, only hoping that uh, this will uh, further compound the uncertainty that's out there, in particular in the beef trade, and create instability, you know, and those farmers ringing every other day asking should they buy cattle, shouldn't they buy cattle with aftergrass uh, growing. It's reported in a very responsible section of the agri-press this week that rainforest, the size of County of Leitrim in Ireland, destroyed in a single month to make way for mining and cattle production. And the situations now being faced here are we to cull our cattle, cull our stocks to make way for imports from Brazil. The European Union talks about, as we've said, climate change, global warming. Yes, you're clearing, you're burning away forests in the most wasteful way to make way for cattle and yet we find uh, the use of pesticides and types of uh, chemicals that would be forbidden would be banned here in the European Union and people would be uh, fined and uh, possibly suffer very severe consequences. So the European Union seems to be in a position where they're going to trade away healthy beef production, highly regulated, for stuff coming from Brazil where we can see no attempt to stop uh, the degradation of rainforests. Yes, indeed, uh, that would be the perception that's out there, John. But, you know, as I said earlier, one government is all that needs to within Europe veto this deal and it cannot go through. It needs to go through with unanimity. And we'll be challenging the Minister for Agriculture and the Taoiseach in the coming weeks uh, if there is to be a, a potential Mercosur deal that you know, fair play is got for Irish and European farmers. And if not, uh, that he has, Leo Varadkar has to be in a position to veto the deal uh, and to push it back uh, to the back of the queue again. Because it is absolutely imperative, as you say, there's animal welfare, there's animal husbandry, there's animal medicines, uh, and there's a variety of things that are far superior. You're not you're comparing chalk with cheese uh, when it comes to uh, Irish and European beef versus beef coming from those countries. We'll digress for a second to something equally important. We're talking about beef, the 100 million euro Brexit beef aid package. Now, again, I'm sure there's still time for you to reiterate your demand that this goes to the deserving people, the people who have already lost. This is compensation for losses, not income. It certainly is compensation for losses. It's compensation for losses for any farmer who has traded sold stock uh, in 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 the period of time. Um, you know, it's absolutely imperative that it's not just a finisher. Um, there was 30 million, I think, of the 100 million euro figure built around the losses that were associated with the cold cow trade. And uh, that was by far the highest individual class of animal. And, uh, you know, there are whisperings out there that they may not be included, uh, compensation for those animals. But it's absolutely imperative that the, the cow is included, uh, as are, 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 or as should all farmers be eligible for the scheme, because... You know, it doesn't matter what, I, what your core business is. If you are finishing animals, you took a loss and you took a significant loss. 
right through the autumn of 2018 and up to, right up to today. Milk Price, your Dairy Committee Chairman, Mr Gerald Quayne, argued very persuasively regarding the situation with Milk Price. He said, of course we know about the threats to our cheddar exports in the future, the WTO rules, possibly if there's a no-deal Brexit. But still, bearing in mind all the uncertainty we face, do you still feel, as Mr Gerald Quayne said, the case for a price increase for peak season milk production is irresistible. What do you want to see done by the co-ops? Well, you know, we want to see it reflecting the, the, the Ornua index. And indeed, you know, a lot of co-ops are trading product outside of Ornua because they can, get a, they can, as individual societies, get a better return than Ornua. So certainly we want to see a milk price in excess of 31 cents a litre. That's absolutely imperative. And, you know, as a base or as a starting point, um, you know, there's there's very few processes doing that. Maybe the West Corks are, are just beyond, significantly, I suppose, beyond that, two or three cents beyond that. But, you know, we'll be meeting the co-ops in the coming weeks. We were in, in Carberry today for a meeting with them, and they were going setting their price this afternoon. Uh, but, you know, it is imperative because what happens for the months of May, June, July uh, on milk price has a massive impact on the dairy farmers' income for the year. Uh, you know, I know supplies have been strong, but globally supplies are tight enough. Uh, and we've seen, you know, we saw 11 or 12 improvements in the GDTs on the trot. We saw the dairy board PPI index uh, increase for the last two months. And it's now imperative that we see it in the mid-checks for the primary producer. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Pat McCormack, ICMSA National President. Thank you, Pat, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. A meeting to discuss the situation regarding the division of the €100 million Euro Brexit Beef Fund aid package is being held at Kilcorn Lodge Hotel Care on Tuesday 18th of June at 8pm. With more on the background to the meeting and the topic, Mr Eddie Punch, ICSA Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association General Secretary. Eddie, welcome to the programme. So we're having a meeting in the Kilcorn Lodge Hotel in Care Tuesday night. That's the 18th of June, starting at 8pm. And the meeting is an opportunity for all farmers, suckler, uh, beef finisher, you know, anybody who, who thinks they are uh, affected by the impact of Brexit on beef prices. Uh, we want them to come to this meeting and, you know, have their say in how the 100 million fund that has been agreed in principle at Brussels level uh, should be dispersed amongst farmers. So it's very vital that, you know, if you want, a, you know, if you believe you're entitled to a bit of that money, you come and we want to hear your views and we want you to feed them into the ICSA position because we'll be uh, in consultation with the Minister shortly on this. And I would imagine you want a very strong message to go back to the Minister that um, too many restrictions or any restrictions on this from monies already lost would be unacceptable. There is a talk that the new rules from Brussels, uh, the strings attached would mean people getting out of sucklers or reducing the overall beef herd we fear to make way from our cruiser imports. We're very clear that there's no way in which this scheme can be confused or made complicated by conditionality. This scheme is a simple scheme uh, which is meant and which was, you know, we were involved in negotiations last February in Brussels about this and you know, it's a very simple, clear case uh, that farmers who've been exposed to prices worse than they would otherwise be because of Brexit uncertainty, uh, which they didn't cause, which they had nothing to do, uh, they're entitled to 
uh, get some support from the European Union as a result of this uh, completely unanticipated shock. Uh, so very clearly, ICSA wants absolutely no conditionality attached to this scheme. Uh, and, you know, that, that message is, is absolutely central. But of course, equally, it's important for us to chart out a way for this money to be paid to farmers. Obviously, while 100 million is welcome, it, it you know, it's, it's never going to be enough to deal with all of the, the, the losses suffered by farmers uh, over the last uh, winter in particular. Uh, but we want to see this targeted very specifically at people in our sector uh, in, in the beef and suckler sectors impacted by the drop in prices on stock they sold. Please remind our listeners, you might repeat again, the venue date and time for this very important meeting regarding the division of the €100 million Euro Brexit Beef Compensation Fund for losses sustained by farmers. Yeah, it's the Kilcoran Lodge Hotel there just outside Care uh, next Tuesday night, 18th of June, 8pm, ICSA consulting with farmers on the ground what they want, how they want that money spent, and all farmers welcome. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Eddie Punch, ICSA General Secretary. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. IFA National Farm Family Chair Ms. Caroline Farrell said the government must honour their commitment and retrospectively apply the three-year cap to July 2018 when the Fair Deal scheme was first approved by Cabinet. Ms Farrell spoke to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme and outlined why the IFA was in broad terms very welcoming of the new Fair Deal scheme, which is hoped would be implemented by the end of this year, 2019. We are happy with the announcement, the fact that the uh, heads of bill have been drafted and it is moving along through the houses of the Oireachtas and we are very hopeful that they will keep going with it and it will be uh, part of the legislation by the end of the year and that the government will have budgeted for it for next year's budget. So they need to know sort of before budget time that they are going to have uh, they have the budget available for it for next year. Um, there is still a few issues that uh, we need to have clarified. Um, 
Uh, firstly, that um, Minister Daly announced that the changes would be made. Uh, he announced it last July. Now there has been there's several families in the system and have their three years completed and are still paying uh, the full nursing home fee. So we would be hoping that the those that uh, have their three years finished from now and back since last July, that they, uh, the cap will come in for them since the day that he announced it first. So that is something we're still working on. We're still looking for clarification also on the way uh, land that is leased at the moment, but it will be taken over by a family member who's just not in a position to come home and farm at the moment and that they will also be entitled to the capping of the asset after three years. So they'd be the main issues or concerns we have at the moment. I suppose there will always be situations which will require precise legal interpretation where they're borderline cases. When you have to get legal advice on something, there is obviously an issue with the clarity of the advice. And if it was more clear cut, they they do mention that uh, you have to farm the land for six years, which is which is fine. I mean, if that's the whole idea that you know you're inheriting the farm so that you can make your living or a substantial part of your living from the farm. Uh, but they they didn't actually mention land that has been leased at the moment. The, the um, document mentions uh, that the person in the nursing home or that the person inheriting the land is actually working the land at the moment. Uh, so we still just need clarity on where, as I say, land that has been leased out um, on a commercial lease, but uh, the other person is going to come home and uh, farm it in due course. Once the person that is coming home to farm the land uh, is is doing it for is going to do it for six years, that there shouldn't be any any question as to you know that the three year cap won't apply to them. So it's just I suppose clarification. Maybe whether it'd be possible to put an amendment in or into the um, heads of bill before the full bill is um, brought to cabinet. Basically, we we really the last thing we want to do is stall it any further. You know, for obviously for the people that are are waiting for the system to come into place for them, we need you know to speedily get the the bill through the houses and not um, delay it any any further. Um, but just as say clarification that this leasing will be um, will leased land will be brought back in uh, once the person is. Um, you know, guarantee that they're going to work it for the six years. Thank you, Miss Caroline Farrell, IFA Farm Family Chairperson. Thanks, Caroline. Okay, thank you, John. The Department of Agriculture has doubled the grant aid available to Marts for EI electronic tagging systems for sheep. Marts can now draw down grants for 80% of the cost of electronic identification device EID equipment to operate as CPR's central points of recording with a maximum funding of €15,000 per mart. Lambs going directly to slaughter require a single electronic tag, while those moving through marts require a full EID tag set.
Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr. Mark O'Sullivan, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagas Darara Clonakilty in the west of the county. Mark, welcome to the programme. Some very important upcoming events you want to advertise. Hi, John. Yeah, the first one, I suppose, is there's a, a Chagas land drainage event happening down on the farm of Martin Buckley and Bantry on, on the 26th. But uh, just a pre-warning, it is KT approved event for both beef and dairy so it's more of a, a pre-warner and the same does does the 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 river basin management plan um are holding uh, a water quality um event um or a, I suppose use a public meeting in um in the Caha center in our groom they're looking at the identified the Loch Fada on a gopple uh, as an area for action so that's a public meeting and there'll be staff from the local authority waters program there um, to answer question on the evening so that's on Wednesday the 26th and that's at 8pm in the evening there is just other one other thing uh, that comes to mind uh, the SEAI energy grants there's a deadline on the 26th of June um, so some farmers that have applied for variable speed milk pumps and variable speed vacuum pumps if you have applied it's just that there is a deadline for that coming and all the equipment and the, and the request for payment has to be made by, by Friday week that's fine. And those are the announcements, uh, Mark. Nothing else at the moment? Not really, no. no nothing else to come through. I understand the Carberry Milk Quality Award winners were announced recently. Yeah, I suppose in the twelve the 1,200 suppliers were Carberry. There was 12, 12 of those were represented in the room. Um, and I suppose this year was slightly different that there was there was Sustainability Award winners. And just to run through them, maybe first Mark Kelleher in Bandon, Timothy Cohan in Clonakilty, John Young in Drina um, and Eddie, Eddie O'Flynn with his dad John in uh, in Balnascarty were the Sustainability Award winners. And in terms of the milk quality, which we're normally used of, um, there, there was, again, each of the, the four co-ops had a, had a winner and in, in Jerry Cohan in Clonakilty was, was one winner, William O'Donovan um, was another and Christopher and Hannah McCarthy um, were representing this award. But the overall winner and the winner of the Bandon co-op as well was, was Nigel Daunt. Nigel's a new entrant dairy, um, exciting times for him, him, him ahead. Um, new entrants in 2017 he started um, and I suppose... Nigel growing organically with the herd started in in the middle of seventeen with thirty cows, um, and last year in twenty eighteen fifty cows, and this year is up at sixty five with a potential to maybe to grow, go to a hundred cows. Um, but again, growing growing organically um, left plenty of room in the parlour for for extra units and to more than double the units. I suppose one of the, the, the interesting things that I found with Nigel when he was sourcing stock was looking at Jonas testing a herd that he was buying off that he was looking for a good status. Um, solids was 400 kgs plus um, and fat and protein, very, very strong solids above the average. Um, there will be a walk, John. It'll be the end of July. Normally, the, the calorie milk walk will be um, the end of July, sometime start August. So that's, that's an, an interesting one to follow. Milk yields. Any general comment on milk yields? I think the indications are there could be a drop in milk production. The milk yield, would it be dropping or what's your overall feedback from your clients in the west of the county? Yeah, I suppose it's like no different. A lot of a lot of spring spring producers, I suppose, the last last month and and previous was low butter fats, um, and that has swung around now to this time, whereas yield has been dropping. But again, it's the time of the year; it's no real surprise. There's a couple of things that uh, are out of our control in terms of dropping in yield. I suppose the stage of lactation, our days in milk, does cows calve now four months and coming on five? In some cases, the increased number of cows that are calved compactly, it's organically. 
peaking higher and not for peaking as long. Um, and I suppose the cows are back in calf and energy are going towards the embryo and that calf and developing that fetus. The last thing I suppose that I focus on is the grass quality that's in our in the farmer's control. Um, and as we know, there's a direct parallel correlation with milk yield that we produce now and in 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 October and the end of the year. So the higher we can get them to peak and hold, the the more output we'll have out of the year. We're looking really for not more than a 10% drop per month in milk yield. So if someone was doing, say, 28 litres last month and that's dropped to 24 this month, uh, that's a 15% drop. So it's it's a thing that I'd be looking at is when I'd go to farms, probably the grass quality in, in on that farm. Um, I suppose some of the solutions, John, Naturally, the grass is in the reproductive state of its life cycle at the minute and it's starting to seed and the stem to leaf ratio, the grass quality itself is deteriorating and the energy content is reducing. And at this time of the year, I suppose it's no different. The, the most common mistakes you would say is that the pre-grazing covers, the cows cover they're going into, is probably too high in some cases. Um, and particularly if you are hitting that more than 10%, it's maybe looking at the, the quality going into the right cover, rotation length and so on. And I suppose the ways around it, um, to bale some of the surplus stuff and earmark the, the I suppose the hairy or the stimmy grass for, for bales. Um the one when I was out on farm just during the week a couple, uh the one thing a farmer says and I suppose we'd be preaching it ourselves is whatever you do, don't let the aftergrass um go ahead. So a lot of first cuts have been cut early May or the middle of May and they'll be coming coming into the system on some farms would get that grass it's the best grass that's on the farm um and i suppose another another farmer commented during the week um he was telling me how tight he was in grass and there i saw the baler and and the wrapper were coming in as i was talking so living on the edge i suppose the risk the risks are are i suppose if you graze higher covers the risks are low the rewards are low but the potential losses are potentially high with grazing the higher covers and just on the fertiliser side of it, again, sulphur, we, we learned our lesson last year in terms of drought, particularly East Cork as well. Um, get the sulphur out and it'll um, increase our utilisation and efficiency of nitrogen as well. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Mark O'Sullivan, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagas, West Cork, Darara, Clonacilty in Cork. Thank you, Mark, very much indeed. Thanks, Thanks Mr. Tommy Heffernan, veterinary correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal, reminds listeners to the farm programme that a major animal health supplement is free with this week's edition of the journal. That's the Saturday, 15th of June, 2019 edition. Tommy outlined some of the topics covered in this very comprehensive guide to animal health. Yeah, John, good to talk to you. Um, yeah, a supplement, we have a health supplement this week in the journal where we've taken a good number of pages and a good number of topics and I suppose the key thing was uh, some of the big challenges at the moment. It's been a very, very healthy spring and a very healthy summer and a good grazing season, although the weather is a bit unfavourable at the moment. Some of the key challenges out there, John, are parasites, but we were talking about the things you can do uh, when your farm is running well, you know, things you can plan for, um, I suppose, looking really at biosecurity, keeping disease out of the farm, and very much, yeah, focusing on welfare. Um, Welfare is, you know, people get a bit nervous when you start talking about welfare and, you know, you think we're doing something wrong, but more like the the vast majority of farmers are very clued in on welfare. We do a really good job on welfare and farms because if you look after welfare, uh, that means you have healthy, happy animals, and healthy, healthy, happy animals are productive animals. So um, I suppose that's just the general outlines of, of some of the discussions, John. Be aware of the interplay of the environment, animal welfare, and antibiotics, and all these things. If you look after those, there is indeed a very bright future for agriculture. 
Yeah, so look, I suppose if you look at the challenges on a very top level for agriculture going forward, of course the environment is one of them, and I suppose animal health, by looking after animal health, you increase efficiency, and we, we reduce the turnover of animals, the new animals required to come in as breeding replacements, for example. Uh, so we have a direct impact on greenhouse gas emissions and overall efficiency there, and I suppose the, the two big ones then from the livestock production health one is reducing antibiotic usage, which is very, very important. And I suppose we have consumers now talking more about animal welfare, and it's key that we have good welfare in our farms, but communicate out that message to the general public as well, that, you know, good, we are doing a good job on farm welfare. It, it, it's so critical. Um, to, like, welfare and good production, they're the same thing for me, to be honest with you. Um, and, I, and unfortunately, I think the welfare debate a lot of times has been taken out of the hands of farmers uh, by people who don't know much about farming and used as a stick to beat them with. When in fact, I always say to farmers, uh, they should control the narrative of welfare and tell people what they're doing because um, we've nothing to be ashamed of. We're talking about things going relatively well under the circumstances, but in the background there is one potential looming threat, a new type of worm, a new worm threat, and it's given quite a large illustration in the focus on animal health and why we ought to be concerned about it, particularly in flocks of sheep. Yeah, so it's Haemonchus contartus, which we call the barber pole worm, because it does resemble the barber pole. It's a red and white round worm affecting the abomasum of sheep or the stomach like ourselves. Um, and it's, it's been in temperate climates for many, many years across Europe. It's a worm that feeds on the lining of the gut and can cause anemia, quite severe anemia or blood loss if you have heavy levels there and, and can cause loss of performance and death. And I suppose it's one of these worms that we haven't seen much of or very little of. Um, we saw a little bit of cases reported in Donegal, I think, last year, but really none down the south of Ireland, and it's been in the UK. So this is the first incidence I can remember down south where it's been isolated. So it's a new parasite on the scene. Farmers will be well aware of roundworms and sheep and the challenges that are there. Um, and I suppose Haemonchus contartus is a new worm, and we need to be kind of aware, aware that it's, it's there. It doesn't change pr- control programs much, John, but it just show, goes to show with maybe the changing climates and temperatures, new parasites are, are a threat for you know, our grazing systems. To briefly give a quick overview here, looking at the way you've analysed things, in the supplement you point out five ways disease can enter your farm, five essential elements of a biosecurity plan, top cattle and sheep diseases, the right mindset for mastitis control. You outline a 13-step approach to dealing with a high SEC herd. Yeah, and don't be put off by when you hear 13 steps, people think, my God, it's an awful lot of steps. I suppose uh, your dairy farmers who will be listening will be very aware of somatic cell count as a, as a direct measurement of quality of milk. It's the amount of the inflammatory cells that are in the udder of the cow, somatic cells, and uh, we're all aiming for a low somatic cell count for better quality milk. It's, a, it's, a, it's in directly related to the profit and performance of the herd. So um, when we have somatic cell count issues where they go high, um, people tend to grasp at kind of one bottle solutions or, you know, a couple of things, and often these can be complicated problems in a dairy farm. I, I suppose I encourage people to step back from a somatic cell count and we maybe take a very focused, step-by-step approach to rule things in and out, and it's a really good way of looking at it. So that's why um, we have 13 steps for, towards a, uh, controlling somatic cell count. Um, and I suppose we have a little bit on safety as well, because um, a big issue is making sure that you know we're not rushing on farm and, and take care to look after our own heads, because 
And I, we all know ourselves, when we, when we were rushing and under pressure, that's when accidents happen. Exactly. This is in the Saturday 15th of June 2019 edition of the Irish Farmers Journal. So thank you very much indeed for that overview. Mr Tommy Heffernan, the journal vet, vet with the Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much indeed, Tommy. Great to talk to John and, and, and hello to all your listeners out there. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine on Friday 14th of June 2019 concluded a trade mission to Japan and the Republic of Korea, progressing market access and facilitating business-to-business engagement in these key Asian markets. In a statement from our Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, it was pointed out that Japan and the Republic of Korea are respectively the third and 11th biggest economies in the world, and our department has decided to step up our engagement in this region. Minister Creed said, as well as opening Board B's new Tokyo office in Japan, he was able to announce that the first ever agricultural attaché would be assigned by his department to the Tokyo embassy this autumn. He said, this investment in Team Ireland in Japan will support market development in line with our food-wise 2025 strategy. The Tokyo leg of the trade mission also included an EU beef and lamb promotion and a seminar on the European Union-Japan Economic Partnership Agreement, EPA. Minister Creed also met with representatives of Japanese conglomerates Mitsui and Meiji, both of which have dairy interests as well as the Suntory Group, which owns two Irish distilleries. On Friday 14th of June 2019, Minister Creed announced simplification of requirements for the Beef Data and Genomics Programme, BDGP. There are two simplifications to requirements as they exist at the moment. Full details on the department's website. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls. And as always, a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. Next, Farm Talk is scheduled for this coming Wednesday between 10pm and 11pm. Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agribusiness. For quality feed, expert service and support you can trust.